Welcome again to another session of Explore the Bible series. We're in the book of Colossians, the fourth lesson in Colossians, scheduled for November 7th, 2021. Uh, Today's lesson title is The Gospel's Freedom. The Gospel gives believers the freedom to live a God-honoring life. So as we look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 to 23, we see that the memory verse is uh, actually in verse 20, which says, Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? So as we look at this section of scripture, we're going to examine the elements of freedom that Paul cited and encouraged uh, in this passage. We're going to also gain insight into the ways a believer may be tricked to live in spiritual bondage. And I hope to help you cherish the freedom that can be found in Christ and a life that honors him. Let me remind you that knowing Scripture is a perfect defense against any kind of false teaching, and knowing Scripture preserves our ability to live free in Christ. So as we focus our attention on today's lesson, think think about uh, legalisms that we have in our world today, things like, you know, Some say Christians should always recycle. That would be a legalistic thought that's certainly not part of Scripture. There's some supportive things about that, but not not part of any rules or regulations. Um, You know, we have all kinds of laws about the the Sabbath day and how to keep the Sabbath day holy. But uh, just think about some of these legalistic ways that we consider that. So as we look at the, the background of this passage early in chapter 2 of Colossians, uh, there was a warning that was issued against arguments that sound reasonable. We see that in verse 4. Falsehood is in the hands of a persuasive person uh, in stuff of which deception is crafted and error is propagated. Also earlier in this chapter, It was a warning that was uh, voiced about falsehood that takes you captive, Uh, chapter 2, verse 8. Being a prisoner of error is not anything akin to being a servant of the truth. So the positive note concerning Christ sounded earlier in Colossians 2 is that in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and and knowledge. Those are found in Christ. So the operative term is all, that being true. No hidden wisdom or knowledge is to be found elsewhere, especially not in humanly reasoned and imposed practices. There's a freeing in Christ from uh, humanly imposed religious duties or practices that are not commanded by the gospel. So this week's passage emphasizes the gospel's 
freedom. The gospel leads to freedom in worship, uh, religious practices such as keeping dietary laws and observing religious festivals and uh, not, not essential for knowing freedom in Christ. There's also a freeing in Christ from the allure of falsehoods. Even though false teachers might claim special knowledge or insights gained from mystic experiences, mystical experiences, those whose faith is firmly planted in the gospel of Christ can confidently ignore what false teachers espouse. There's freedom to live because of the liberating authority of Christ redeeming death. Those who are joined to Christ should count themselves dead to things that are handled, tasted, and touched. As a consequence of the good news of Christ's saving work, believers are free to worship God without the addition of man-made practices. We are free to enjoy a relationship with God and to express faith in Christ based on, based solely on his saving word. Temptation here is to pollute the pure gospel of Jesus and his teachings with man-made restrictions, philosophies, and notions uh, that have, and we've seen that happening throughout history. So Paul conform, uh, confronted this topic in his writings to the Colossians. So let's look at the text. Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. As I read that, you'll find examples of legalistic practices that Paul refers to. So he says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festivals, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of things that were to come. Uh, the, rea- the reality, however, is found in Christ. So Paul's instructions apply not just to religious traditions that heretics were trying to uh, tack on to the, the gospel, but all inappropriate ideas promoted throughout history. So whatever the exact situation, Paul challenged the Colossians to reject condemnation and guilt uh, the heretics were using to manipulate them. So giving to their threats, giving into their threats would demonstrate a lack of faith in the full work of Jesus and would rob them of the freedom uh, they had received through him. Let me point out that Paul's that in Paul's day that food and drink and festivals and new moon references likely had to do with kosher diet restrictions and special events that false teachers promoted. Now, I could uh, get into a a lot of, (laughs) there's a lot of teaching about kosher, the the laws of kashrat, 
uh, also referred to as Jewish dietary traditions, are the basis for the kosher observance. And these rules were uh, set forth in the Torah. The Hebrew word kosher uh, literally means fit. So it was referring to foods that's considered fit to eat. Those that keep kosher follow Jewish dietary laws. And so the Jewish dietary laws explain the rules for choosing kosher animals, products, uh, the prohibition of animals that were unclean, considered unclean, and not to mix meat and dairy. So we're not going to get into all that, but let me ask, how does legalism get in the way of true worship? How can we tell the difference between the two? So what did Jesus, when the woman at the well, uh, Samaritan woman, tried to ask Jesus about what is true worship? What is right? What is wrong? We worship this way. Y'all worship this way. Jesus said, God is spirit. John chapter 4, verse 24. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's a really good test about what is appropriate in worship and so forth. So uh, I'll draw your attention to the word shadow in verse 17. And note that the law was the precursor of Jesus Christ, who perfectly embodied everything about the law. And I want to point out that this was why Paul was so adamant that uh, promoting legalism would distract from Jesus' completed work and become a standard in addition to uh are in place of Christ, and that was never going to be a good thing. We'll look at the next section of Scripture, Colossians 2, verses 18 and 19. Here, as I read this, you'll find a list of additional examples of legalisms, and just kind of right across your mind, uh, the thought spiritual bondage, because that's part of what Paul was dealing with. So he writes, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also gets into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with their idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. So note the word condemn, and its definition simply means to disqualify. Paul warned against two falsehoods uh, threatening the Colossian church. Uh, The first was ascetic practices, uh, the The natural ascetic practices would be simple living or begging or or fasting. And then the the ethical practices such as humility and compassion, meditation, patience, prayer. These are all good things. Uh, But Paul says be careful that you don't emphasize them too much. And so he also refers to the worship of angels. Being taken into these false 
teachings would result in being disqualified. It's uh, the expression to condemn you suggests the action that an umpire would uh, would use in rules when when we are competing and we break the rules, we might be disqualified. We just finish watching the World Series and a batter swings his bat and if he comes around all the way across the plate, uh, that's a strike. But uh, but if he if he comes just short of it, so umpires would determine whether it was a strike or not. Uh, you know, umpires would also be there at the starting line. And if someone jumps across the line before the gun is fired, they are disqualified. Didn't matter how hard they work to get ready for the race, they're disqualified from running the race. And so the Colossian believers had to come to Christ through a genuine faith response to the gospel. Subsequently, to have false teachers deny their claim to be dedicated Christians because they did not adopt certain aesthetic practices or engage in angel worship was a serious matter. And Paul wrote to emphasize the freedom that believers have from such falsehoods. Paul wrote that false ideas about angels belong to to false teachers who by virtue of an unspiritual mind were inflated by empty notions. Uh, so the the unspiritual mind uh, was not inspired or taught by the Spirit of God, and it was without a solid base upon which their ideas rested. They just kind of imagined certain things. Uh, God's Spirit had not revealed that to them. Such a false teacher was lacking a vital relationship with Christ Jesus. That was always important in Paul's mind. So as Paul put it, he doesn't hold on to the head. Christ alone is the head of the true spiritual body, the church. And it's from this divine head that the body is nourished. The false teachers were not holding exclusively on to Christ as a head, and as a consequence, were really unnourished spiritually, all the while imagining themselves as being spiritual experts in a class all by themselves. Furthermore, it is the divine head by which the body is held together, like the ligaments and tendons that keep a physical human body perfectly joined and functioning. So Christ keeps his spiritual body, the church, joined in unity and functioning with growth from God. So falsehoods promoted by these false teachers could never enable unity or real growth in the church. So Paul did everything he could to remove these false teachings. Heresy breeds dissension and division and a condition that results in weakness and stymied growth in a church. So Paul worked hard to remove all heresy. So let me explain that Paul advised believers not to let someone else judge one's Christianity 
over inconsequential matters. Uh, so one of the dangers is letting a, a checklist define our relationship with God. Well, everyone can make their checklist, but uh, usually their checklist is based on the things they think they do a good job doing. So let me make the point that legalisms are not just unproductive spiritually, but actually oppose a gospel that is fully contained in Jesus Christ alone. So what does Paul write in Romans one twenty two? Although they claimed to be wise, Paul says they became fools. It's an indictment of what happens when people stray outside of the perfect example of Christ to their own standards or ideas. It's important for the believer to be connected to the head, to Christ, along with other believers. So we look at the third section, Colossians chapter 2, verses 20 to 23. And here we're going to add to the list of legalisms uh, that we had compiled earlier. Verse 20. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on mere human commands. And teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self imposed worship and their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body and their lack of value in restricting or restraining sensual indulgence. So let me highlight Paul's exhortation. Uh, to the Colossians was both a down-to-earth, common-sense call to reason and a lofty call to spiritual maturity. So when you've been called out of the world, it's unreasonable to try to live by its demands. Paul says, don't do it. You are accountable. Your accountability should be much higher than the world's standards. So looking at some notes in the Life Application Bible, verses 20-23, you see that phrase, we, we cannot reach up to God. We can't do that by following rules or pious self-denial. We can't reach up to God by observing rituals, nor by practice, practicing religion, just doing religious things. Paul isn't saying all rules are bad. I mean, we can see what he talks about in Galatians 2, verses 15 and 16, but but keeping laws or rules will not earn salvation. That's clear throughout Scripture. The good news is that God reaches down to human beings and he asks us for our response. Man-made religions focus on human effort. Christianity focuses on Christ's work. We are saved by grace through faith 
in Christ. Believers must put aside sinful desires, by, but doing so is the byproduct of our new life in Christ, not the reason for our new life. Our salvation does not depend on our own discipline and rule-keeping, but it depends on the power of Christ's death and resurrection from the dead. Look in verse 22 and 23, we can guard against the man-made religions by asking these uh, questions about any religious groups. I'm going to go through these questions quickly. Does it stress man-made rules and taboos rather than God's grace? Another question, does it foster a critical spirit over others, or does it exercise discipline discreetly and lovingly? Does it stress formulas, secret knowledge, or spiritual visions more than stressing the Word of God? Does it elevate self-righteousness, honoring those who keep rules rather than elevating Christ? Does it neglect Christ's universal church claiming to be an elite group? Does it teach humiliation of the body as a means to spiritual growth rather than focus on the growth of the whole person? Does it disregard the family rather than hold it in high regard as the Bible does? Well, those are all good questions uh, for us to ask as we test ourselves. And so in verse 23, to, to the Colossians, to the discipline demanded by the false teachers seemed good, and legalism still attracts uh, many people today. So following a long list of religious rules requires strong self-discipline and can make a person appear moral, but religious rules cannot change a person's heart. Only, only the Holy Spirit can change your heart and my heart. So what are the applications of this passage of Scripture? Number one, believers are free to worship God in light of the gospel. Number two, believers are free to enjoy a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, not by the works or keeping rules. And finally, believers find freedom through expressing their faith in Christ in all areas of their life. So as we close this lesson, I want to lead you to to be in prayer that we will have the supernatural discernment required to recognize temptations to adopt or adapt to human standards that are not of Christ. And we should respond appropriately by living a life of faith. Pray with me as we close. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you've made it clear that um, we are not to live by rules and regulations and legalistic thinking. We are to live by faith in Jesus Christ. You have paid the price 
for salvation. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. And so we thank you for uh, for this lesson in Colossians. We pray that we can apply it to how we live our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>